This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time now to turn our attention to headlines from around the region. A few of them stand out. Uh, Indonesian President Joko Widodo visiting China. We also have former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak changing the defense team that's representing him in court. And we've got a story about regional reactions with regard to Myanmar's junta's execution of four activists. We're going to get some context from Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Abit. Let's get into the headlines. Indonesian President Joko Widodo, he's in the midst of a tour of three East Asian nations. Uh, He started his visit with China and he has met Chinese Premier Xi Jinping. He will also be heading to Japan and South Korea next. What were some of the highlights that stood out for you with regard to his meeting with President Xi? I think also everyone's wondering about the political agenda here. Well, you know, Mr. Vidodo, or Jokowi, as he's properly known, is the current rotating president for G20. And he clearly, these visits, I think, is appears aimed to clearly establish his leadership credentials ahead of the group summit in Bali in November. I mean, his talks to the three leaders in these countries revolve around trade, investment, health and infrastructure. But our sources also said the talks revolve around geopolitical issues such as mm. disputes in the South China Sea and also the touchy subject of illegal fishing in Indonesian waters. Mm. I think, you know, clearly, Mr. Vidodo, these are three very strategic partners, not only for Indonesia, but for ASEAN. And he is pitching himself as the leader for the region who, and I think meeting with these people are all important. Some, however, wish that Mr. Bidoro or Jacobi would sort of like lean in on the Myanmar issue. Yeah. There is no mention whether this was brought up with the leaders of China, but I'm sure his ASEAN colleagues would want him to get China firmly on board to help with the situation, especially, you know, after what happened this week with the execution of a few activists, you know. Yeah, actually, I was thinking that same thing too, and that was going to be my follow-up because he has been a bit of a Mr. Peacemaker, right? Trying to make peace with regard to the Ukraine-Russia conflict, and then now he's talking to China. Why not Myanmar? On the back of what you mentioned, right, that execution. So Cambodia has called the timing of Myanmar's junta's execution of four activists highly reprehensible, saying that it has presented a gross lack of will to support the bloc's peace efforts in the country. I mean, what can happen here? There is an upcoming ASEAN ministerial meeting. Is it possible something can be done? Well, you know, the thing is that there is a five-point plan to make sure that both sides in Myanmar, the rival factions for the military and civil groups, actually get to some kind of negotiations. And the thing is that this execution clearly is a huge setback to the grouping's plans to get Myanmar in some kind of a path where they are talking rather than fighting, actually. But this is not happening, you know. And the junta's position, their actions only show that they really telling ASEAN it is our way or the highway, you know. So certainly, you know, please don't dictate to us what to do. And this certainly doesn't bode well. I think what's happened here is just another tragic twist to this very sad unfolding story. 
Yeah, you're right. It is quite sad. All right, let's turn our attention to Malaysia. Um, latest set of events, we see the former Prime Minister Najib Razak appointing a new defence team. This time, it's led by former Law Minister Zayed Ibrahim to appear for him in his SRC International Appeal at the Federal Court. Okay, the previous game, not good enough. I mean, well, when you consider that he was sentenced, I suppose he would think that. I, know, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, clearly, it is not good optics for both Najib and his lawyer Shafi, who's very prominent in the legal circles here, and you know he's very much a household name actually because he takes on some of the most high-profile cases in Malaysia. You know, Najib has stuck with Shafi for the longest time, and the recent change caught many by surprise. You know, because already the new lawyer has applied for 11-day postponement mm-hmm. to the case in the federal court that is due to begin in August. So. The suggestion, the knee-jerk reaction is that, is this another delaying tactic? You know, it could be, and given that the courts will decide, I think it is very likely that no one believes that the federal court will overturn the judgments of the High Court and the Court of Appeal that have uh, unanimously decided that Najib is guilty yeah. and will yeah. have to be sentenced to 12 years jail and fine. You know? So a question of going to jail appears to be not if, but really when. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So now this last minute change of lawyers, I don't know how much it's going to do. It could really, we understand that the judiciary mm. is not taking too kindly to, this case has been stacked with, you know, delays after delays because yeah. from Shafi saying that he was bitten by his dog to so many yeah. other things, yeah. you know, getting COVID to all of these kind of stuff. So you can understand how exasperated the judges must be, actually. So, and then for this to come at this point in time, really not good optics for Najib and his legal team. I mean, if you put yourself in his shoes, it's clearly an act of desperation from the judges and the legal standpoint. I mean, this started at the beginning of the brand new government, and that government is about to come to an end, and we're still having this trial. Exactly, exactly, you know, precisely. You know, I mean, it's dragged out, I think, the judiciary also feels the same way mm. because I think public opinion on the judiciary is clearly being affected by this very long trial, you know. Yeah. And people want to see some kind of full stop to this thing. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Uh, Leslie, I want to talk about fugitive Malaysian businessman, Mr. Teddy Tiowihuat. He's expected to be deported to China to face the law. Sinju Daily has reported that Mr. Tiao, who is a wanted man in Malaysia, China and Thailand, will be deported. I don't know a whole lot about him, but I do know he's been dubbed as Jolo 2. What's the backstory here? Here's a rise of a very interesting thing. Clearly, he's been called a fraudster, actually. Mm, okay. He ruled over this empire called MBI, which stood for Mobility Beyond Imagination. So... I think he can start imagining some tough times now after his arrest in Thailand. You know, this group based out of Penang ran everything from their own bitcoins. They had malls, they had grocery stores, they went into property. He was involved in uh, hotels. And all of this was based on a pyramid scheme. And that pyramid scheme came tumbling down. A number of Chinese nationals uh, lost most of their life savings. And the Malaysian authorities were forced to move in on him 
after you know a lot of Chinese nationals demonstrated outside the Chinese embassy here because after they'd lost so much money. And this guy fled to Thailand. China has demanded for his extradition. The Thai authorities have arrested him for setting up another scheme in Danok, you know, which is a kind of a safe haven for a lot of this Malaysian-based fugitives who've gone, like, including people, undesirables who have been involved in drug trafficking in Malaysia have gone there to Danok. So this is something that the Malaysian authorities have been uh, watching for some time. But uh, for Teddy Teo, his problem is going to be that, you know, he's going to be extradited to China and he's certainly going to face the law there. Yeah. Uh, Malaysia wants him to be extradited here, but I don't think the Thais are going to see to Malaysia's request. Right, right. Uh, he is set for China and okay. I think very much he's got face to music now. Just a final piece, uh, Leslie, before I let you go. Former Sri Lanka President Gotabaya Rajapaksa expected to return home from Singapore. He's been here for about, what, two weeks after he got chased out from his house and the country. He's going back home. He's surely going to have to face the music. Very brave, but does he have a plan here? Well, you know, it is interesting. There was some speculation that he would, from Singapore, head to either Abu Dhabi or even the United States. Okay. But for him to get back, I mean, it must suggest that he has got some kind of assurances from the current president, right, you know, right. Ranil, that he... Who's that, an you know, ally. That, exactly. You know, while they've been rivals before, but, you know, they clearly are kind of political soulmates here. You know? So <laughs> I think he's going to clearly got some kind of uh, assurances for protection. And the question is, how long can his successor, Ranil, actually resist demands for legal action to be brought against Gotaina. So that's going to be interesting to see and with his move to return home, it's going to be interesting. This is a very interesting development. Frenemies unite, as the kids would say. Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Thank you so much, Leslie. Take care and have a great day ahead. You too, Elliot. Thank you. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.